Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 9, reading verses 10 through 17. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Father, open our hearts today. As you already have in this time of worship, you've opened us up to your presence. We now ask, Lord, that you would open us up to your word, open us up to your teaching, open us up to what your Holy Spirit would say to us through the word that he inspired to be written to us and preserved for us to this time, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose right now for this time, for this moment, for every person who's here to hear the word. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says today, Lord. And let us receive and let us respond with joy to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand right now? Some of, some of you maybe have your Bible in your hands. Some of you may have a pen or a pencil in your hand. Some of you have the bulletin in your hand there's notes on there by the way we encourage you to take notes take notes some of you may have your cell phone in your hand hopefully it's open to your bible app not your facebook page uh maybe you have someone else's hand in your hand maybe you have your other hand in your hand what do you have in your hand what do you have in your hand luke 9 verse 10 when the apostles returned they told jesus everything they had done now remember, in the previous passage, they had been sent out by Jesus with power and with authority. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 tells us that Jesus gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then verse 6 says, so they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing. We did it. They had gone out and they had seen blind eyes open they had seen lame people walking they had seen lepers cleansed they had seen deaf hearing they had seen the miraculous power of the lord at work they and to celebrate and you can imagine how the 
countryside's beginning to get excited. I mean, first Jesus comes, and everybody's all buzzing about Jesus, about this new teacher that's in the area, and there's all kinds of healings that's going on, and crowds start following because they hear Jesus is there, and Jesus healed this blind man, and Jesus cleansed this leper, and Jesus made this lame man walk, so Jesus can help me, Jesus can help my family, Jesus can help my kids, Jesus can help my parents, Jesus can do it, but now it's not only Jesus, now there's 12 others besides Jesus going out, part of Jesus' team, in his name, with his power, so there's there's all kinds of it's 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 times 12 people being healed people being delivered people being set free people hearing the good news I mean the place is buzzing it's just what is happening in this area it's awesome so then verse 10 says then he slipped away quietly with them toward the town of Bethesda Bethsaida we got to get some downtime okay it's been exciting you've been out let's regroup let's Think about what we've done. Let's, let's debrief a little bit. And it was needful because they couldn't just go all the time. Even Jesus, he was God Almighty, but he reduced himself to a human body. We find in the scripture it says Jesus got tired. Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. And so Jesus had to pull back. And he, he pulls back with his disciples. And he said, we, we got we to gotta pull back a little bit. Let's, let's talk and think about what's been happening. And let's talk and think about what has been done and what our next step is you see they've come back and and the followers of Jesus his closest followers they've now been given his power but they still don't know its full potential they've got the power of God and they've seen the miraculous they've seen the unexplainable they've seen the impossible happen and yet they still don't understand and know the full potential of what they've been given. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? You see, the disciples had gone out as Jesus sent them out. And they were using this incredible power. And yet they, they still didn't really know what they had. And it's so simple. I think we often overlook the power that is available to us. We often overlook the power that is available to us. We're looking to someone else. We're looking to a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or this person or that person. We need to, if we could get here or go there or get this or get that, then no, there's power available to every follower of Jesus. There's power available to every follower of Jesus. And I think we often overlook the power that is available to us. I have two points today, and these points may seem unrelated, but they are not unrelated. This is the story of limitation in the presence of the unlimited one. This is a story of limitation in the presence of the unlimited one. The first thing I learned from this passage is Jesus loves the crowds. Jesus loves the crowds. Verse 11, but crowds found him. Wherever he was going, and they followed him, and he welcomed them, and he taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. He welcomed, he taught, he healed. How often do we limit ourselves? How often do we limit ourselves? You know, we're just in a, we're just in a small town, we're just in a small county, we're just in a, you know, we're just in a in a rural area we just we just got to be realistic about what we think is going to happen here and you know what happens in other places in the big places you know I don't know if I don't know if that'll happen here we're just kind of a 
a smaller, out-of-the-way place. I just, I just, you know, and we limit. What we've got's fine. What we've got's good. And, you know, we, we, we shouldn't expect too much more. But I find that Jesus loves crowds. Jesus loves crowds. I've, I've been involved in church planting for a large part of my ministry. When I was 20, I was asked to plant a church. I went to Ohio and planted a church. After that, we went to Indianapolis. We planted a church. After that, I oversaw church planting for the state of Indiana. I've seen, I've seen churches grow large, and when they grow large, they plant more churches. They, they plant other churches. Sometimes they're planting churches completely separate from them. Sometimes they have satellite campuses, but the church just grows. The church just grows. The church just grows. So some people, you know, some people will say, well, Pastor, I really don't believe that the, the church should grow. We need to stay small. I, I, believe, I believe that when we get to a certain point, instead of just growing ourselves, we need to we need to plant another church. And that happens. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I would love to do that even from this place because there's, there's communities around us that need a good church. But you know what always happens? You know what always happens when the mother church sends out one-fourth or 40% of their church to go out? You know what always happens? The mother church always grows. It always does. Because God honors the giving and he blesses it and he continues to multiply and bless the kingdom of God. Here's something the Bible says. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard this before. It says, for God so loved the world. The whole world. All the people in the world. That's a lot of people. God loved the world that he gave. His one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life if we say if we say well you know we're just a small place and we can only expect so much and you know I really like I really like the small church I really like the small church atmosphere you know I really like the the camaraderie that's here and I just I just don't know if we need to get any bigger okay who's going to hell then let's just get real Let's just get real. If, if we're satisfied, if we ever get, you might not be here now, but if, if we ever get satisfied and say, I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if we really want to grow anymore. I don't know if we really, what about Jesus loving the crowds? What about Jesus dying for the world? And who out there are we going to go, yeah, they can go to hell. Yeah, they, pff, who cares? We, we've got our group. Our group's big enough. Our group's large enough. We're just fine. We love it. We don't want anybody coming in here and messing it up. You know, it's just, and things just get too big, and they get kind of difficult when they're too big. And There should be no limits on the growth of the church because the church is not ours. Listen, listen. Don't, don't say, don't say, I go to Brother Blank and come on over to my church. It ain't your church. It's his church. It belongs to him. We are his people. We're only stewards. We're servants. And we serve and work in the kingdom of God at the behest of the king and the master. So it's not about us. And it's not about what we want. And if God wants his kingdom to grow, and if God wants the church, the church to grow, if he died for the whole world and he wants people who don't know him to come to know him, if he wants people who are separated from him to be reunited with him, if, if, if he wants people who are going to be separated from him in a place called hell for all eternity, and he wants them to be drawn God. So there should, there should be no growth on the limits of the church. There, there should be no number that anybody can think of right now to say, well, I, I think if our church got that big, it'd, it'd be fine. Not, it's never big enough if there's people in the community who don't yet know the Lord. 
It's never big enough if there are people in the community who don't yet know the Lord. We fellowship together. We pray for one another. We meet one another's needs. We minister in our small groups. But we can't forget that Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross for those who aren't in a relationship with him. Thank God we've received it. Thank God we've heard it. Thank God we've accepted the Lord. But Jesus died on the cross for people who haven't heard yet. For people who don't know yet. For people who haven't surrendered yet. For people who aren't in a relationship with him yet. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered and bled. And he went through that excruciating torture for the folks who aren't here yet. So we don't just exist for the folks who are here. We don't just exist for us who are here. We exist, right? He's placed us here. He's placed us here to make a difference in that community. And when we forget that, we'll die. We can still come together and have a good time, but we'll be dead. If we just want to continue to do things in our own way, if we want to do it the way we've always done it, if we resist change, the, if we only appeal to a certain age group or a certain demographic or a certain style and we don't try to reach a changing world and a changing culture and a changing generation with the unchanging message of Christ, then we will die. We'll die. And we'll get smaller when Jesus loves crowds. He loves crowds. You see, crowds followed Jesus everywhere he went. There were crowds. crowds. If he's here, there's going to be crowds. And Jesus welcomed them. Jesus welcomed the crowd, and he teaches them, and he heals them. And that's our mission. Connect to God, empower believers, engage the world, welcome anyone Welcome anyone, no matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, no matter what they sound like, no matter what their background, no matter what their lifestyle, we welcome anyone, and then we teach, and then we heal. That's what Jesus did. He welcomed them, he taught them, and he healed them. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and it continued on after Jesus died, rose from the dead, and ascended to the Father, and he left it in the hands of those few people. It continued. Peter, who was scared to death just a few days earlier, gets up in front of the crowds and he preaches. He says, you killed him. You killed him. He's not afraid anymore. But God raised him from the dead. And he'll forgive you for killing him. He'll forgive you for murdering him on the cross. And he'll give you a life like you've never heard before. And, and verse 41 of chapter 2 of Acts says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm resistant to get too tied up in numbers. You know, numbers is not the end-all, be-all of everything. But here's the thing about numbers. There's a soul behind every one of them. Every number represents a soul. So it don't matter what number we're talking about, every number represents a soul. And somebody, in order for Luke to write this in Acts chapter 2, somebody, Peter's out there preaching. They've had the power of the Holy Spirit come in the upper room. It's it, it spilled out into the streets. Now they're in the temple somehow. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but somehow they got from the upper room out into the temple on a holiday. So people are there from all different kinds of countries speaking all different kinds of languages. And somehow they spill out of that upper room and they're out in the temple with thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, it's a big, 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 big place. It's a big courtyard. And Peter gets up and he starts shouting the message of Jesus and accusing them of killing Jesus but preaching repentance and forgiveness and saying this is the prophet Joel the prophet said this is going to come about and somebody back there is going I got 400 how many did you go I got I got 300 how many and they're counting they're counting because it says 3,000 the first day 
And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, they go on another time, another place. Many who heard the message and believed, and the number of men grew to be about 5,000. So they get 3,000 when Peter preaches, and then they grow to 5,000. And then watch this, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 17 says the apostles were performing many miraculous signs, same thing they were doing when Jesus had sent them out in Luke chapter 9, they're getting used to it now, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple, in, in, so, so they're out in the temple, they're out in the public, they're out where the Jewish worshipers are coming. In an area known as Solomon's Colonnade, but no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet, more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord crowds. Crowds of both men and women. So, so now it's not 3,000, now it's not 5,000, now it's like, it's too many to count. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets and on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds, there it says it again. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. And then in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says, the believers rapidly... ...thousand, in Acts chapter 4, you got... 5,000. In Acts chapter 5, the Lord added to the church. In Acts chapter 6, the believers multiplied. How many know you get more when you multiply than you do when you add? Multiplication is more. It just, it just grew. It grew. It grew. It grew. Crowds. Where the power of God was there, where the presence of God was there, it grew. It grew beyond the ability to count. No crowds. It keeps going on. Acts chapter 8, verse 6. Crowds. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Barnabas went on to Troas to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. Everywhere, everywhere. The church grows, folks. The church grows. The presence and power of God is in where people are doing what God's calling them to do. The church, his church will grow. If we're a part of that, we ought to want to be a part of that. If we're doing this work of welcoming and teaching and healing, there should be crowds. I believe, I believe it's on its way to happening here. I believe it's on its way to happening, and I believe Jesus loves a crowd. So that's the first thing. Second thing I learned from this passage is Jesus uses what we have. Jesus uses what we have. Verse 12. Late in the afternoon... The 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds, there's that word again, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Huh. Are you expecting us to go buy enough food for this whole crowd? There were about 5,000 men there. That's a lot. Jesus took five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven, blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving, he kept giving, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets. About four stories of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus recorded all kinds, he performed all kinds of miracles for many people. This is the only miracle that's told by all four guys. This is the only miracle that 
we find in all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew and Mark, it tells us that when they headed off to Bethsaida, they're going over after, after they've kind of gotten away. You know, again, let's go back to the beginning. The disciples have gone out two by people walk, seen lepers cleansed. They come back. They're all excited. And Jesus says, okay, we've got to pull away. We've got to pull away. And then it says they got into a boat. Matthew and Mark tells us they got into a boat to head to Bethsaida. Matthew says, Matthew says the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Mark tells us they actually got there ahead of him. It tells us in Mark they reached the lake. It's a big, big lake. And Jesus and his disciples, they're looking to retreat. They're looking to pull back and debrief a little bit from the ministry. So, so they're, they're going on this boat across to the other side of the lake to get away. But here you got thousands of people, and they're coming from all the village. And they're, they're running. Thousands. They're just running. Can you imagine Jesus and the disciples in the boat? And they're like, what's going on over there? What's happening on the shore? Look at them. Look at, look at all them people. I wonder where they're running to. <laughs> they get off the boat, and they're already there. They're on the boat, and there's a, they see this whole crowd. And the crowd gets to the other side of the lake. Before the story, in John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, turning to Philip, Jesus asked, this is interesting, Jesus asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Hey, Philip, what do you think? What do you think, Philip? Is there a store nearby that's got enough bread for 5,000 men plus women and children? What do you think? He already knew what he was going to do. Verses 8 and 9 of John 6 says, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is that with this huge crowd? All we got is a little boy. What, what can we do? What can we do when there's just a little boy? Samuel was just a little boy. Samuel was a miraculous little boy because his mother couldn't have kids. But when she said, I'll give him to you, Lord. If you'll just, if you'll just give me a child, I'll give him to you. I shared this with the young people at the West Tennessee Youth Gathering recently. You know, and I'm going to go up in two weeks, by the way. I'm going to go up and do baby dedication for my new grandson, Micah. So I'm gonna, but, you know, the Bible says Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord even before he was born. You know what I'd like to see us do in the church and not wait until the baby's two weeks old or two months old or six months old before we do the dedication? I would like to start seeing eight-month-old pregnant women come up here. I'm here to dedicate my child to the Lord. Let's dedicate him to the Lord even before they're born. Let's not wait. A young boy of children. I was never dedicated. Well, I was. But we didn't do it in the church. Of course, I wasn't old enough to remember it. But, you know, growing up in church, you see all this stuff. So I went to my mom one time, and I said, Mom, I said, uh, me and Jimbo dedicated? 
And she said, no, not in the church. I said, well, how come you didn't do that? Now, you do what you, you we'll, we'll, we want to dedicate all the kids. We want to have the church behind us. But I said, I said, Mom, why didn't you do that? She said, I saw so many mothers and families that were just going through the motions. She said, I saw so many mothers and families that were just going through the motions. And they were, they were having the kid come up and they were praying the prayer and doing the thing. But they didn't really do anything to raise their children to follow the Lord. See, I was born in 1963, and my brother was born in 1960. And there was a time in there where there were nuclear warheads 90 miles off the coast of Florida where my family lived. And where people in this country realistically thought that Russia could throw those nukes in and radical to think so. And she told me, she said, when that happened, I dedicated you boys to the Lord. Wasn't in the church. She said, I dedicated you boys to the Lord. Because I said, Lord, I'd rather have you take their lives now and have them be with you and be with us forever in heaven than to have them raised in a godless concentration camp where they'll be brainwashed into believing you don't exist. So that's how I was dedicated to the Lord. Just a young boy. What can we do with just a young boy? And Samuel was just a young boy. When he heard a voice say, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran to Eli the priest for his mother had followed through on her word. And she didn't just dedicate him to the Lord. She said, I'm giving him. She took him to the house. He was to be raised in the house by the high priest. Eli, here I am. You called me. No, I didn't call you. Go lie down. You're hearing things, boy. Samuel goes back. Samuel goes back. Here's it again. Samuel, Samuel. Eli, Eli, here I am, you called me. I didn't call you. Go sleep, go lie down. Eli's trying to sleep. He's not the most godly man in the world. He's the leader of the whole church and the whole nation, but, you know, he's not the godliest man in the world. Third time, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel runs back to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And he said, you go back. And next time you hear the voice, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Bible says the Lord came and stood. He stood at the end of the boy's bed. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am for you called me. And God gave him a word of prophecy. And the next morning at breakfast, it was really interesting. Because Eli's like, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? See, he, he, the Bible says there weren't any visions. People hadn't heard the voice of God in a long time. The only, the only preacher, the only preacher in the whole country wasn't very committed, Eli. And the next morning, Eli's like, and Samuel's a little nervous. He's just a boy. He's just a boy. He's not even old enough for the youth group yet. He's just a boy. What can God do with just a boy? Well, when there ain't nobody else serving him, God can do a lot with just a boy. And here's why. Here's why when they're eating their Cheerios the next morning, Eli's going, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Samuel's a little hesitant to tell him because Samuel had to say, uh, he says he's going to destroy you and destroy your house and destroy everything because you are a sinner. <laughs> That's, that's the word the Lord gave to just a boy and he fulfilled it and he raised Samuel up to be the preacher of the nation for years and to lead the nation and to anoint the kings just a boy just a boy David was just a boy David was just a boy who who was a shepherd and 
His brothers were the superheroes. His brothers were the guy in the military. His brothers were the special forces agents. His brothers were the guys. And his dad, his dad calls him in and says, Hey, there's a, there's a battle going on over here between our boys and the Philistines. And your older brothers are out there fighting the battle. So I want you to put together, I'm putting together a care package. And I want you to take this care package to your brothers. And can you imagine how excited David was? I'm going to see a battle. I'm going to get to see a fight. This is going to be better than Friday night WWE, man. I'm going to get to see my, and it's going to be my brothers. My brothers are going to be out there. My brother's going to be charging on horses and spears and swords, and I'm going to watch my brothers just whoop up on the enemy. And he climbs over the hill, and all he sees is this great big 10-foot-tall guy screaming and hollering, and his brothers and the king and everybody else in Israel is cowering in fear. And David gets in there, and he says, what in the world is going on? And his older brother says, you're just a cocky little brat. Cocky little brat. You just came here to see, and see the battle. And David's like, well, isn't there a cause? Isn't there a cause? And he goes in and tells the king. And the king says, here. If you want to go try my armor, armor was too heavy, too big, didn't fit David. He couldn't use it. So David goes out with just five stones in a sling against the giant that everybody else was afraid of. Trash talking is a cool thing sometimes. I don't know, Addison, if you do any trash talking across the net on volleyball or not. But, but, but old Goliath said, ah, you sent me just a little boy. You sent me a little boy. He's like a dog. He said, I'm going to take your flesh and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. And David says, you come at me with spear and with sword, but I come with you in the name of the almighty God of Israel. And I'm going to feed your flesh to the animals. And I'm going to feed your whole army's flesh to the animals. I'm going to take your sword and I'm going to cut off your head. And that's what he did. Got him, killed him, chopped off his head. Well, we got a little boy here, but what can a little boy do? What can a little boy do? Jeremiah was just a little boy. Chapter 1, God calls Jeremiah to be the prophet. Jeremiah says, I can't do anything, God. I am just a child. And the Lord says, don't say that you are just a child. I don't care who it is. I don't care how young they are. I don't care if they're in that room or in that room right now. I don't care if they're nursery or preschool or if they're K through 6. I'm praying God's hand is on these young people's lives. I'm praying God's going to use them. I pray every Sunday morning when we gather here for pre-service prayer, I go back in that corner and I stretch my hands out toward that room and towards that room, and I say, God, put your word into them right now. Put your word into them right now. Call them in the ministry right now. Anoint our leaders right now to pour the word of God into them. Let them sense the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit right now because, God, you can use them now. I have watched God use children. I have watched God use children to pray for people. I have seen people healed because of the prayers of children. Timothy was just a young man. Paul called him, and God called him and used him. So don't look down on the young. As long as we are waiting for the coming of the Lord, God's going to continue to do great things in the next generation, in the next generation, in the next generation. So, a little boy. Andrew says, just a little boy. What do you have in your hand? God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand, Moses? What do you have in your hand, Moses? Uh, got a stick. Throw your stick down. Throws a stick down. A stick turns into a snake. Pick it back up again, Moses. Oh, wait a second. Pick it up by the tail. <laughs> Bobby's seen a few snakes on the property around here when he's been out working. You ever picked one up by the tail, Bobby? No. Bob gets something big with a long pole on it and picks it up and moves it, right? No, not, gonna, not even going to try to grab it by the neck. Just grab it. Grab it by the tail, Moses. Moses grabbed it by the tail, turned back into a stick. What do you got in your hand, Moses? You take that stick and you stretch it out over the sea and you watch that sea part. And you watch me save your people. What do you have 
in your hand. What do you have in your hand, David? I just got a slingshot and five stones. I can't use the armor. David had mighty men. When David, when David became a, a leading warrior, the Bible talks about mighty men. He had mighty men. These were David's special forces. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 10. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshab Bashabeth. You, don't, you didn't remember Joshab Bashabeth, did you? You need to remember him. Joshab Bashabeth. He was a Tachamanite. And he was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. And next to him among the three was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Remember that. Son of Ahohi. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. The men of Israel withdrew. All the other men ran away and retreated. But... But this guy, Eliezer, son of Dodo, he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. His hand just cramped up so he couldn't even open his hand anymore, but the sword was stuck in his hand. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. I'm going to keep my hand on this sword until it cramps up and I can't ever let go of it again. And see God do mighty things in this. That's what he had in his hand. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? There is power in your possession. There's power in your possession. I don't have much skill, Pastor. I don't have much skill. Use what you got. Use what you got. We got these small groups. We got, we got, we got the Martins lead a... Family life, small group, praise in the park. They just go out there and they sing and play and watch Christian men. They're doing it in the park. We got people coming to church right now because of that small group. They got another small group where they're going to take food to people. You need to be involved in something. You need to be involved in ministry somehow, some way. We got the kids' church. We got the nursery preschool. We got the tech ministry. We got worship ministry. We got youth ministries. We got all kinds of things. You need to take a look at this. You need to pray through it. And if something's not here that you have some gift for, even if it's small, you need to use what you've got. What do you have in your hand? I don't have much talent. Use what you got. Jesus gave one five talents. He gave one two talents. He gave one one talent. It was a measurement of money. And the one that was only given one thought he wasn't given very much, so he didn't do anything with it, and he was condemned for it. He was condemned for it. I don't have much. You better use it if you don't want to be condemned for it. I don't have as much as the guy who was given five. I don't have as much as the one who was given two. I don't have the ability to speak. I don't have the ability to talk. I don't have... Moses said that. I don't have the ability to play. I don't have the ability to sing. I don't have the ability to do this. I don't have the ability to... Keep talking about what you don't have and lose out on the excitement that's coming when Jesus brings the crowds in. Don't talk about what you don't have. See what you have in your hand and take it and use it and do something with it. Do something with what's in your hand. There's power in your possession. You know, I, I just... If, if I had more... If I had more then I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd give my tithe, Pastor, if I had more. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you can't give $5 on a 50, you'll never be able to give 500 on 5000 You'll never be able to do it. Got to give what you have, use what you have, and you'll never get out of the stuck place you are if you don't start being obedient in blind faith to believe for the impossible. We've got to be obedient if we're going to see it happen. Guy with the one talent, he messed up. He didn't use it. You got to use it. Faith. An old song where you sing. Faith, faith, faith. Just a little bit of faith. Mm -hmm. 
faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Oh, you don't need a whole lot, but just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You need to use what you got. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, somebody says, somebody said they were riding along with somebody in the car one day, and one of the guys in the car was a pastor, and they're driving along, and saw this great, big, beautiful house up on the hill, you know, and one of the guys said to the pastor, he said, uh, you know, that's such a big, beautiful, nice house. They just heaped all their riches and wealth on themselves. He said, they, they ought to sell all of that and give it to the poor. Sounds like something somebody else in the Bible said that got messed up. Judas. Didn't turn out too well for him. Pastor looked at the guy and he says, why don't you sell what you have and give what you have to the poor? You're wanting him to sell his stuff and give it to the poor. Why don't you sell your stuff and give it to the poor? Pastor said, I happen to know that guy. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. And he can't ever seem to stop giving. And the Lord can't ever stop seem to give back to him. What you got? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Little is much when God is in it. In the harvest fields now ripened, there's a work for all to do. The voice of God is calling to the harvest calling you. In the mad rush of the Broadway, in the hurry and the strife, tell of Jesus' love and mercy. Give to them the word of life. Does the place you're called to labor seem too small and little known? Does the place you're called to labor seem too small and little known? It is great if God is in it and he'll not forget his own. I'm telling you what, in God's plans, there's no big places, there's no small places. There's no big ministries. There's no small places. There's, there's only being in the will of God or not in the will of God. And he can do awesome, awesome, awesome things no matter what. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. So what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Said there were 12 baskets left over. Twelve baskets left over, one for each of the disciples who had no faith for God to perform the miracle of provision that day. How many, how many disciples believed that something great was going to happen? None from what we can tell. They had just come back from seeing all the miracles. They had just come back from performing all the miracles. They were like, you look at us. We're the great men of God. We can heal blind eyes. We can open up ears. We've seen the lame walk. We've seen. But there's too many people here. Send them away. No, we can't do nothing. They change so fast. How many disciples had great faith? We don't have enough money. They said, we'd have to work for months. We'd have to work for months to get enough money to feed all these people. Just send them away. So when it was all over, Jesus made sure they all got a basket. He made sure they went away with a souvenir. You've got stuff. You've got stuff in your home that you've kept. It means nothing to nobody but you. But you look at it and it reminds you of something. Reminds you of something that happened in your life. My wife didn't know I had this this morning. And we were getting out of the car and I got it. And she said, what's that for? I said, it's an illustration. She said, yeah, we got that on the side of the road when we were going to Savannah. So that's right. 
We remember a lady was sitting on the side of the road when we were going to Savannah, Georgia. She's hand weaving these baskets. Pulled off the side of the road. My wife said, I'd like one of those. I said, okay, let's get one. Cost way too much money, but, you know, she's doing it on the side of the road. She probably needed the money more than I did. And my wife remembers it. I think of these disciples. And they got old. They all died violent deaths, but they, they did get older. And maybe at some point in their life before they were martyred, they're sitting around with family, with friends, or Peter in Rome, the other disciples. Maybe, maybe John even was able to keep his basket when he was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos. And they're sitting around with friends and they're sitting around with family members. And maybe, maybe even when the apostles were in jail awaiting death, maybe this was the only possession that they had. They would take out the bread. And they would remember that day. They'd never forget that day when they said, send them away. They'd never forget that day when they said, it can't happen. It can't happen. They'll never forget that day. I remember when I was in Florida and I was just a teenager. and My granddad said, you're, you're called to preach. He was a preacher. He had all kinds of books on the shelves. You're called to preach? I said, yeah, I was probably, what was it, 1980. 81, Christmas of 1981. So you're called to preach. I said, yeah. He said, do you have a good reference Bible? I said, no. Well, you need a good reference Bible. He goes to his shelf. He pulls down a Bible. It's an old, 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 well-worn. Pages are brown. Granddad, most time on birthday, unless we were present with them on the birthday, we didn't get anything. We spoil our grandkids today like crazy. But he brought out this Bible and he wrote in the front of it. My son, strive to be the preacher. I always wanted to be the best. <laughs> and I've learned since it's not the best at preaching, but it's the best man who preaches. Be a good man. Be the best man you could be. Second Timothy 2, 15, he wrote in there. And he gave it to me. He said, here. And then I... As I look back, I flip back another page. It had been given to him in Christmas 1951 by his church that he passed. Actually, it was 1979 when he gave it to me. And it had been given to him by his church that he pastored in Baltimore, Maryland in 1951. I treasured that. Some, some weeks up here, I've had my notes in a notebook. It was his notebook. I've preached from the same notebook he preached from. But I took that Bible... When my son-in-law and daughter were ordained, I took that Bible and I handed it to them. I said, now it's yours. The anointing is yours. The mantle is yours. And I just wonder about those disciples. Remembering what Jesus did that day. Remember how he took little to nothing and performed a miracle. What do you have in your hand? Any of you familiar with Penn and Teller? Penn and Teller, a comedy magician duo. 
Pin is the big tall guy with bushy black hair and a big bushy ponytail and Teller is the little guy who never says anything. Look up, look up on YouTube, Pen, P-E-N-N, Pen gets a Bible. Pen gets a Bible. Pen is one of the biggest atheists in the world. He's very outspoken, very vulgar, very vehement about his atheism. But several years ago, he got on just with his phone. It was not a professionally done video at all. And he's sitting there and the phone's at the wrong angle and he's just rubbing through his hair and he's talking and it's, it's about the most unprofessional video you'll ever seen. But he said, you know, I was at one of our one of our performances the other day and he said, this, this guy walked up to me afterwards and he had one of these little Bibles, these little Gideon Bibles, it's Psalms and Proverbs and New Testament and he just came up to me and he wasn't mean, he wasn't pushy, he didn't, he didn't condemn me to hell or anything, he just said, he just said, I really enjoyed your show, I thought it was great, laughed a lot, I was amazed, it was fantastic, he said, I just felt like I needed to give you this. He says, so the guy gave me a Bible. He said, everybody knows I'm an atheist. Everybody knows I don't believe this stuff. He said, it just really touched me. He said, it touched me that this guy would come up and give me a Bible and just be friendly and nice. And he said, it's hard for me to get over this. And he said, I respect. And he says, and he started talking to Christians, and he said, I just, I just wonder, how hateful, how hateful do you have to be to believe that somebody is going to hell, and you don't say anything to them about it? <laughs> so he said, I don't believe this stuff, and, and, and I'm not, but he said, I was really touched by this guy who just gave me a Bible, and said he appreciated what I did that night, and he wanted me to have it. And that video has been seen millions of times. An atheist telling Christians, you need to use what you have in your hand to tell others about Jesus. Are you using what you have in your hand? Are you giving it to God so that he can multiply it? That's the power of your possession. October 22nd, next steps. If you haven't been, you need to come. If you're not plugged into a ministry, if you're not doing something to serve God, you need to come. If you've been before and you're not plugged in, you need to come. You need to come again. You need to figure out what it is God has called you to do. Because God has called each and every one of us to do something. And he's given each and every one of us a gift. Every one of us has gifts and talents and abilities he's put in our hands to be used. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your calling. You call the young and the old. You call the men and the women. You call the sons who are no respecter of persons and anyone... From any background, any race, any age can come and can be used of you when we surrender what you've given us. God, I believe you want to do great things. Lord, as long as there are lost people around us, you're going to do great things. As long as there are people who don't know you, you're going to be looking for us to surrender ourselves to you so that you can do great things through us like you did through the apostles. And even when we think we have reached the limit, when we're excited about what you've done, we're excited about healings and miracles, you're going to take us even farther. You're going to show us that you can do even more because after the apostles had done signs and wonders and miracles, they still couldn't believe that you could do more. Lord, you want to do more among us. You want to do more among us. And you want to see people who don't know you come to know you Lord and you want to set them free and you want to use us to do it God I pray that you would give us all a zeal 
to lay before you what we have and to realize that everything we have is a gift from you and we are to use it. We are to use it. We're not to hoard it. We're not to store it. We're not to keep it for ourselves. We're not to hide it under a bushel. We are to put it on a lampstand and shine the light for this whole community and this whole county and this whole surrounding area to see. God, I believe you want to do greater things in and through us than we have ever imagined, not for our glory, but for the sake of what Jesus did at the cross so people can come to know you. So people can come to know you. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I wonder, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Is your life different? Let me tell you something. I don't want to be half-hearted about this. I don't want to be I don't want part-time Christian. I don't want to be a halfway Christian. I don't want to be a Christian in one area of my life and not in another area. I don't want to be pretending to follow the Lord in one area of my life, but not following him in another area of my life. I want to give my whole self everything completely and totally to Jesus only. Is that where you're at today? Some of you may have known the Lord for a long time, but you're at a place where it's only, you're only partway there. Right now, today, this moment, you're only partway there. You need to give Him all. You need to give Him all. You need to say, Lord, I'll take everything you've given me and I'll use it for you. I'll surrender everything to you. Maybe you don't know what you have. Say, Lord, show me. You need to come to a place where you say, Lord, show me what you have for me. Show me what you have in my hand. Some of you, maybe you've come to church or you've known Christians or raised in a Christian home. Maybe you've never really come to the place where you've said, I believe in Jesus only and what he did for me. And I'm going to confess and repent and turn away from my sins. And I'm going to start following Jesus. You need to start today. Some need to start today. Some need to come back today. And some need to get out of a halfway place or a 75% place or a 90% place and get to a 100% place. And so I want us to pray together. I want us all to pray together right now. If you, want, if you want Jesus, if you want forgiveness, if you want to give him all, I urge you right now to pray with me. Pray with me out loud. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I believe you are God. I confess my sins. Reveal to me my sins so I can turn from them and follow you wholeheartedly. Reveal to me the gifts you've given me so I can use them for you. Take me beyond halfway. Take me beyond 75%. Take me beyond 90%. Lord, take me to the place where I give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Just praise him. Just thank him right now for his goodness. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for his gifts. Thank him for his plan for your life. I'd love you to take that card that was in that handout and let us know what the Lord did in your life today. First time, commitment, recommitment, committing all, committing more, seeking Him for gifts, talents, and whatever. I'd, I'd love to hear testimonies. Just jot on that card a testimony of what God is doing in your life so we can praise with you and rejoice with you. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you know what God has for you? Do you know what God has planned for you? Praise the Lord. Worship team can come back up if you'd like. I just want us to go back into worship. I just want us to go back into worship. And as we worship today, maybe you came. and Maybe again today was the first time you prayed a prayer like that and really meant it. 
And today you're here and you say, I want to go from this place with my life completely and totally changed. Maybe you made a recommitment or a rededication, or maybe, maybe you've realized that you've got something in your hand like that little boy, but you haven't been using it. Maybe you've been saying, I don't have anything, or what I've got doesn't mean much. It's too little. It, it's meaningless. I don't have this person's talent or that person's talent. I don't have this person's ability or that person's ability. No, you don't. You have the talent and ability God's given you. Lord, I pray that you would take us away from the place where we say, what is this little among so many? What is the little that we have among such a great need? I pray that you would take us out of the place where we would limit you, God. Take all the limitations off of what we believe in your ability and not just not just to say, oh, God can do it. If God wants to do it, God can do it. No, God wants to use you to do it. God wants to use us together to make a difference in our community, to be a lighthouse, to see, to see people turn from darkness to light, to see people in all kinds of bondages, all kinds of bondages to be set free. But we have all got to use what we have in our hand. We've got to give him what we've got and we can't put any limitations of age or ability or past. Father, use us, I pray. Use us, I pray. An old song I used to sing when I was growing up, an old hymn, Jesus, use me. And, oh, Lord, don't refuse me, for surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. I sang that when I was a kid, and I meant it. I want to invite you to come to these altars. I just want to open these altars wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your walk, whatever you think you have or don't have. We're not to compare ourselves with others, but I want you to, I want you to take what you've got in your hand and come and lay it at this altar and say, Lord, I want you to use it. I recognize this is a gift from you. And if you don't know what you have in your hand, because the disciples really didn't know what they had in their possession. If you don't know what you've got, say, Lord, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Show it to me. Reveal to me, Lord, what you what you've given me, the gifts and talents and abilities you've given. Lord, reveal it to me. Reveal what you want me to do. Reveal how you want me to use what you've given me. So as we sing, would you come? See, on a Give it to the Lord now. Look at the wounds that give me life. Grace flowing from His side. No greater sacrifice. What He's done. What He's done. What He's done is He's given you gifts. He's, he's given you abilities. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. I praise God. I praise God for what He's done. Sing for the freedom. Broken place, 
Lord, don't ever let us curse the minimalness of what we think is our ability and our talent. Help us not to speak a curse over what you've given us, God, but to speak a blessing and say little is much when God is in it and he can do miraculous things and he chooses to and he desires to and he relishes in doing the great things with what we think are small. So let us walk out of this place today, God, with greater faith and looking, planning, purposing in our hearts that we'll seek you to use everything you've given us for your honor and for your glory so that we might see those that don't know you come to know you. Even if it's crowds, bring them, Lord. Bring them, Lord, from the north, south, the east, and the west. Do a work in this area. Do a work in this place. And use us, God. Use us as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go. Go in the blessing and goodness of God.